you're gonna be the most dangerous, the most powerful once you discover how powerful, how amazing you are. We all have imposter syndrome. A lot of us were navigating uncharted waters. And so once we discover that, you know, we can do all of this, you know, the world's gonna watch out. And in order to recognize this true power within us, we gotta do what other people are not doing. If we do what everyone else is doing, we're gonna have that same job. We're gonna be in that same apartment. We're gonna be doing those same things. If you wanna be special, if you wanna be great, if you wanna be a mogul, you gotta start doing something different. Welcome everyone to episode 10 of the Paul and Pals podcast. I'm your host, Pony Boy Paul, and Paul and Pals is a podcast where I interview my creative pals to learn how they became who they are today to inspire you for tomorrow. Now, before I start the episode, I want to give a huge shout out to everybody that's been supporting me since the beginning. And if this is your first time tuning in, welcome, and I appreciate you as well. The feedback I've received so far has confirmed to me just how much this is needed And it's also motivated me to make sure I continue to improve and provide you all high quality content. Now, uh, speaking of high quality content, I actually forgot to hit the record button on my remote audio recording software for this episode. So unfortunately, I had to utilize the lower quality audio from the Instagram live itself. But uh, on the bright side, at least I'll never make that mistake again. But let's get back to our regularly scheduled programming. On episode 10, I have a creative conversation with my pal, Angel Montes de Oca. Angel was the former founder of Leaders Working, an edtech company that ended up being acquired by Bloomberg. He also has experience in venture capital, but now he's working primarily with AI, artificial intelligence, as a product manager for IBM Watson. In this episode, Angel talks about what he did to attend a good college, even though he had no money, what to do when you don't have a blueprint for success, and now we all have imposter syndrome. But without any further ado, let's get creative. Let's get creative. Let's get creative. Hey, there you go. There we go. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. You know, it, it always amazes me because I worked at Facebook encountering all these all these problems we were talking about. It is like I gotta yeah. I gotta go after this live and start uh, shooting my friends some some support. Hey, hey, I gotta fix hey, let's, hey, let them know, man. I got some I got some suggestions. Um, but no, welcome to the show, bro. I really appreciate you. Um, you know, responding. I remember when I hit show about I think about a month ago. You were like, "Oh, I'd love to be on the show." So I really appreciate that. Um, but you know, as we, as I always start, I want to let people know how we met. Right. So I think we met 2015 in DC. We were at like a, a summit for EY, the company. And like, I remember like, maybe like, it's like a breakout session. You started talking about all the stuff you were doing, your experience. I'm just like, yo, this dude's kind of cool. Like add me on LinkedIn. Right. And I don't think we've actually talked since then, but you know we've kept in we've kept in contact via uh, social media as is usual. But I really feel like your career experience can speak a lot to the people that are kind of figuring out what's going on right now. So let's start with where you're from, what you are, and uh, how you doing right now. Yeah, first of all, congratulations. You know, ten episode ten is is a huge milestone, and appreciate yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, and I remember when we met actually. We ended up having a really long conversation on the way to the airport. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, 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 and that's what kept that bond there. So that, that's awesome. So how am I doing? Uh, first of all, welcome, everyone. My name's Angel. Impressed that Paul can always pronounce my last name. Uh, it's always it, You hear that Spanish too, bro? <laughs> there you go. Um, you know, here, uh, surviving in New York City. Uh, yes, you know, sir. last couple of months. Uh, have been wild, right, with everything that's going on. But just blessed, you know, to be alive, blessed that, you know, have the support of my friends and family and just, you know, trying to survive and also trying to see, you know, how I can meet this great moment in history with everything that's happening. That's good, man. And uh, the way I described you in the description was I said, you know, you're the founder of an ed tech company and then now you're currently in working with AI, right? So I want to get to the AI portion, obviously, but let's start with, you, you know, where did you grow up? Was it always New York? And then we're going to eventually talk about how you founded a whole ed tech company. 
Yeah, so you know, grew up from uh, from a humble beginnings in in Brooklyn, New York. Go Brooklyn! Uh, <laughs> uh, I like to say we didn't have much, but we were very big in in, in food and also uh, in in community. Mm-hmm. And so, one of the big things that you know I was taught growing up was to leave my city no less but greater than I found it. Mm-hmm. Right, and so like this mantra to continuously give back that the only way you're going to go ahead and succeed and, you know, build this uh, house of success is with, you know, your, your, your family, your community. Mm-hmm. And then once you have that house of success, you know, obviously you have to have room for, for all your friends and, and yeah, exactly. that, have, that helps Every, you get this. So everybody I mean, eats, bro. Yeah. Everybody eats. That's right. So, you. you know, you know, that mentality, uh, you know, helped me get to Columbia, helped me get to start this ed tech company and has, you know, inspired me and breathes life in everything I do, right? Gotcha. Cool. And now we've said ed tech a lot. Can you explain just in the most general terms, what is ed tech? And then let's talk about the um, actual company that you founded. Yeah. So ed tech is marrying technology, whatever that may be, right? It can be AI. So the use of like machine learning and natural language Mm -hmm. processing, which, you know, I'm throwing big terms, but all that means is, you know, a machine being able to understand the way a human is, or mm-hmm. it can mean just using digital tools uh, like the way we're using to create a personalized experience uh, and marrying that for education. So specifically with Leaders Working, right, the company I started, mm-hmm. it was centered around this mission to help low-income, high-achieving high school students, you know, get into top colleges, develop their own community programs, and, and land jobs at Fortune 500 companies. And the reason why we started this was because uh, we felt there was nothing out there at the time, right? We felt like there was this huge lack of pipeline. Like it was and so what, hard. What yeah, did you start this? I started this uh, in 2013, you know, right uh-huh. as I was graduating high school. Gotcha. And yeah, I remember just seeing like, why is it so difficult? You know, just talking to friends, you know, from where I grew up, like just to graduate high school, mm. right? And then get into a good college. And then even get the good grades in that gotcha. college because there's a learning curve, right? Mm-hmm. And then you need those good grades to get that good job. And then you need that good job to keep setting yourself up for that foundation. So I felt like that process was broken. So we started off with like a mentoring program mm-hmm. to see how can we provide that personalized high-touch support. And then we started thinking about how do we go ahead and scale this, right? Mm-hmm. How do we go ahead and create courses? How do we use the power of technology to start reaching you know, all corners of the United States. Gotcha. And then when you say we, so who's doing this? And like, how did you guys even come to be? Yeah, so it started off as just a conversation with uh, some of my buddies uh, in in high school, but also, you know, when I, when I started college. And we were just talking about like, damn, like we're so lucky to be here. Mm. And we were like dealing with that imposter syndrome that everyone deals with. And then instead of, you know, succumbing to it, we're like, how do we make sure no one else feels that way? Mm -hmm. Right. And so we started off by building, you know, chapters in the Northeast. So, you know, at schools like Columbia, NYU, uh, with the, with this mentoring program. And then we started expanding. Then we started getting invited to speak at conferences, at companies, at foundations. And so we expanded to the West and we started building like these chapters Mm -hmm. of uh, mentoring uh, so that we can, because everything is localized, right? Yeah. My experience in New York City is probably much different than yours in Michigan or somebody else's in, you know, the Bay Area. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so very tight knit. Exactly. And so the need to go ahead and, you know, leverage that power of community that I was talking about was just so key to what we were doing. Got you. Okay. And then I want to uh, kind of understand a little bit more of uh, the creation and then the scale up, right? So you're graduating high school. You're about to go to uh, Columbia, correct? Yeah. Got you. So in that time, was it like, were you trying to split that time between college and this whole company you started? Because it scaled up big to the point that it was acquired by Bloomberg. So how did you get to that point? Yeah, it was just, one, whenever you start a company, no matter how old you are or what you've done, the first time you start a company, the hardest thing is you don't know what you don't know. Right. And so we didn't know anything. We, we we were just, you know, some teenage kids just trying to make a difference. 
And so we started by just replicating what worked for us. We sat together late nights and said, you know, how did you get here? You know, how did you get to Columbia? How did you get to Harbor? How did you get to even this community college? Because that was a success in our community, Mm -hmm. uh, right? And once we started figuring out, you know, what's that blueprint, we said, okay, how do we start sharing that? And how can we make that blueprint even better? So that was like the beginnings of setting that foundation. Where I think we really took off was where we started asking for for help. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the times, you know, in our communities, like, you know, growing up, it was a sign of weakness to ask for help, right? Yeah. So yeah. I wasn't taught that. But once I figured out, you know, by, again, leveraging that power of community yeah. with others, you know, we could do so much more. So I started reaching out to people I had no idea who they were, but I figured they were important, like venture capitalists. I didn't know what venture capitalists was. Yeah. Uh, you know, senior vice presidents, anyone who could help me with whatever it is I was doing at the time. So if I needed help with marketing, I would reach out to folks. I would go on, you know, Facebook or LinkedIn. I would just start, and that's how I started using these tools. Gotcha. And I would just reach out to them and say, hey, you know, I have this great mission and everyone mm-hmm. gets excited. I'm just looking to pick your brain. Gotcha. And, you know, from these, you know, thousands of people that I reached out to, you know, a handful started becoming, you know, really big uh, mentors and sponsors for the work that we were doing. Gotcha. That's dope, man. I mean, I think that's, I remember like um, that was 2015 when I met you at that point, I was like, I think I just made my LinkedIn account. I'm like, I'm going to just <laughs> put what I want to do, what I want to study for, and hopefully I get a job out of it. But I never really saw it as a marketing platform for who you are as a person. I feel like it, it seems very like businessy. And I think you've kind of encapsulated the fact that you can utilize it as social media. Um, so now that you're going back to the timeline that you're in college now, you've kind of established this um, this uh, startup. What was kind of next on your mind and how did you grow it to the point that you didn't have to, you, you weren't taking care of it anymore. You basically sold it off, right? Yeah. So the thing was, I remember at the time, again, we didn't know what we were doing, but as I was starting to meet some of these people, I'm like, how can I turn this into like the next Google? And again, the beauty of being young is that you can dream as big as you want, right? Because you don't know what's possible. And so for me, my thing was like, how do I turn leaders working into that next Google, into that next Facebook? And as I started thinking about how do we scale, I realized, one, this world of raising money and this world of, of scaling uh, what wasn't made for people like myself? So that's mm-hmm. one. And two, I needed to think about how do I, because at, at the time I was also balancing a full, a full course load, right? Mm-hmm. And I was actually working two other jobs at school uh, yeah. to, you know, to be able to uh, send money back home. And so I, was, I had to decide how do I balance all these things and what's the most important thing? Um, and as I was, again, meeting with these people, there was um, someone from Bloomberg that I met. And she was doing the same type of thing. She wanted to go ahead and really scale what she was doing around like mentoring, around, you know, leveraging the power of technology. You know, Bloomberg itself is fintech technology. And so we started talking. We're like, wow, there's like so much synergy. Why don't we team up? Mm. And, and how, did you meet her? how did you meet her, her at Bloomberg? Yeah, it was just like the beauty of meeting people is that when you have that connection, they refer you to other great people. So every time I met somebody, I said, what, who's one or two people you recommend I, I talk to? And through that, like, chain of and domino effect of people, I, I found this person and, and, you know, we just clicked. That's dope. Okay, cool. So I'm assuming that, you know, you guys connected and she was like, let me take this and let me help you build it up, right? And for you, what was kind of next? Because you've mentioned venture capital a couple of times. And I really want to understand and break that down too. Yeah, so I did, initially, I didn't want to let this go. I thought we were going to go work this together. Because again, this was my baby, my first attempt at doing something like this. Mm-hmm. But again, realizing I had a lot to learn, mm-hmm. right? And so the idea of like, I had a lot to learn that we started off with something great. And the opportunity of like leveraging that Bloomberg platform convinced me like, okay, we got we to gotta team up. But if we're going to team up, knowing how my behavior was at that time, you know, I'm, I'm controlling. I want my hands on, on everything. <laughs> I, I was like, I need to take a step back. 
So like you can leverage the organization, what we built and build on top of it, but I'm going to take a backseat because I think a lot of the times as we see like founders, you know, get hurt or like, they're like messing with my vision, you know, the Instagram founders, right. They left, they left Facebook because they felt they were messing with their vision. So, um, and wanted to use that opportunity to learn. So long story short, that happened. And then one of the people who was mentoring me and actually connected me to this person uh, founded a venture capital firm, right? Um, so he was a venture capitalist and he was like, why don't you come work for me for the summer, right? Learn the ropes. Gotcha. I'm like, why not? I don't know what venture capital is, but it sounds exciting. I like I like the 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 cars. I like the, the business <laughs> that are acquiring. Yeah. Let me go figure out how that works. And yeah. so I uh, did that for the summer. Uh, I think I did a good enough job that they invited me back. And they're like, okay. why don't you take a year off from school, really learn what it is, uh, how how it is uh, to be like uh, a venture capitalist. And I'm like, how many 19-year-olds get a chance to work in venture capital? So that's I was crazy. like, si- sign me up, sign me up. And so that that's how that happened. And this, what year of school is this? Gosh. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, 2015 going into 2016. Got you. So... Cause that, that's a crazy jump. They said, Hey, take a year off school. Like, how did you make that work? Like, were you like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna just take a year off school and just leave. Or did you like, how do you negotiate that? Yeah. So I think the challenge was, again, I didn't have many, like I, like I look back into my community. I'm like the only one to go to college, to a top college. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't have kind of like that blueprint of what success was. So when they offered me initially, I was like, I don't know, like, you know, mama always said, you got to get your degree first. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I was thinking more about this and I'm like, if I want to be a success, I got to do what other people aren't doing. Right. And I got to do, I got to develop my own blueprints of what I think is right. And so I was just having so much fun, like learning about these businesses, learning about these opportunities that it was really like a no brainer. Like you got to mm-hmm. take this opportunity. Got you. That's dope. Okay. And then before we get into like your venture capital experience and how it was, break down venture capital and then like at least how you learned it. And then let's get into your history with it. Yeah. So venture capital is a form of investment similar to the way you go ahead and do uh, stocks. But the way it's different is that you're not investing so much in the sound fundamentals of finance, right? You're not looking at the uh, price to earnings ratio or the market cap, because a lot of these companies, especially the venture capital firm we were investing in, are are so new, mm-hmm. right? So you're looking at companies that have little to no revenue. They're losing a lot of money. And so the name of the game of venture capital is you're going to go ahead and you're going to make 10 investments. And the goal is to try to hit a home run. Mm-hmm. If you strike out nine times, that's okay. Because that one home run, is going to return 50x. So you're trying to find those Ubers, those Facebook, those game changers that are going to change society. Exactly. And so that's what venture capital is. Okay. And now that now that I understand that you were there during college, I'm assuming you're 19, 20 years old, and you mentioned earlier that you didn't see a lot of people like you doing these things. How did you feel being in that environment? Was the culture okay? Were you nervous, scared? How was that? So at that time, I was still grappling with what does it mean to be like one of the only people in that room, or like one of the only people in my classroom at school yeah. that looked like me at these firms. And so I didn't quite grasp it until one of the first assignments they made me do was go ahead and analyze what all the other venture capital firms are doing. What's their blueprint for success? And as I was starting to analyze like 500 venture capital firms, I'm like, there's nobody that looks like me. There's nobody that looks like my friend, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) What am I doing here? Yeah. So it was just astonishing. And the fact is, when you look at the numbers, it's like 2% Latino, 1% African-American. It's a challenge. And, And I remember seeing like during my whole time there, I think I only saw one person of color come in and pitch something. And he was 
Harvard educated, undergrad MBA, overqualified. Uh, his business was more, much more mature. And he was having a hard time raising money. And now when I look at the landscape and now that I know what I know, I realize just just some of the dynamics that go into like these meetings and the battles that happen before the meetings and how like now even, you know, founders of color, they bring, you know, their white counterparts to go in and pitch because of what those dynamics mean. And so, you know, it was really interesting encountering that and having kind of like that, you know, I was starting to realize that at Columbia, but then, you know, to face this in the corporate world and be like, wow, like, you know, I want to be there, but what's the path for me? Got you. Okay. And now, now that you kind of explained how you felt, was it like, once you got that full-time experience, were you like, I want to do this and hopefully change the landscape? Or were you not really, did you feel that that was the path for you? So I, I just fell in love with it. Um, and, I, and I'm seeing some questions here. So I'm going I'm to I'm answer them on the way here. So. Yeah. You know, each venture capital firm has like their own thesis, right? We're going to invest in early stage companies. So companies with like little revenue uh, and our goal is we get in early and we're going to make a huge, huge buck. That's kind of like what we did. We did a, a series A and, and, and seed companies. And so checks could be anywhere from $100,000 to a million. And then once they went ahead and um, developed enough traction and met certain benchmarks, then we would invest in more money, right? So then they would go to their Series B and then we would add like $5 million. And so and so, as I was starting to pick up this, I'm like, you know, this is what I want to do, right? Because it's amazing the ability of how we can use technology to build products. And if I can go ahead and give the power of technology to communities like mine back in Brooklyn and invest in them, wow, we can really change the world. Um, but we just didn't have that power. What I started to realize though was that if I'm gonna make it into venture capital, right? Yeah. Um, that's something you do towards the end of your career, right? So you can enter venture capital if you got connections or you, uh, you know, your your dad golfs with one of the the founders. <laughs> yeah. But if you're really gonna like, there's no way to like climb up the ladder. That's why it's so hard to break in. Like I even remember. There were MBAs from Harvard and Stanford who worked at these venture capital firms for a year for free because it was just so hard to break in. It still is. Mm. Um, but if you really want to make it so, so that you own your home firm, you need to have a certain background, right? You either need to show a track record of like, I invested in Facebook, Snapchat, or this, or I built Facebook, Snapchat, etc. <laughs> and the reason Some is- high standards. Exactly. Yeah. And the reason is when you're looking for those home runs, there's not a lot of home runs, right? Like 99% of startups fail. Mm -hmm. When you come across like a startup that's like, wow, so good. Everyone's fighting for that startup. Mm -hmm. Right. And so then the CEO of that startup has their choice. Which venture capital firm am I going to go to? Right. Because at the end of the day, they're all offering me a million dollars. So if the money is the same, what else do these venture capital firms have to offer? And that's where like your experience comes to offer. Like if I'm a CEO, I would rather work with an investor that knew how to build a Facebook if I'm building a social media company because they can show me the ropes, right? Mm -hmm. They can teach me the connections in this. And so for me, there's where I figured out I need to really learn how do I build and take to market great products. Gotcha. So what I'm hearing is basically like, it was a good opportunity, but you re the opportunity made you realize you need that experience before you can really be valuable and really build your community up, right? And I believe after that, you started to get involved with tech at uh, Facebook and Google. How did that transition happen? Yeah, so that that's that's exactly right. You know, and the last thing I'll say is venture capital is something like you do at the end of your career, right? Like once you've once you've kind of like proving your chops. And so after that, I was just like, okay, let me go ahead and figure out what are the hot companies out there at scale that are doing some exciting things. And then at the time, Facebook was the company that had the mantra, move fast and it's okay to break things, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're, it's all in the spirit of growing. 
And so I applied to this internship um, and I got a chance to work on the Facebook Live product. Right. Oh. So we're on Instagram Live. So I'm <laughs> working on the Facebook Live product. Okay. Um, and I got a chance to work on it when it first launched. And when it first launched, I don't know if you remember back in 2016, there were a bunch of problems. It was a time where there was similar to now, there was a lot of social unrest. There were shootings. There were a lot of things that were all captured on video through Facebook Live. And we really understood, wow, we didn't make this product for all the nuances of this world, right? Facebook at that time had nearly a billion users. So there's so many different ways that it can go wrong. And if I'm a, let's say I have a kid who's hopping onto Facebook, I don't want them seeing this this shooting, right? Mm -hmm. A little kid. Or if, uh, you know, on my Facebook platform, if someone dear to me passed away, I don't want to keep seeing, you know, their profile pop up. And so it's about how do we go ahead and create great experiences? So my time at Facebook was all about learning about empathy, empathy at scale. Like, how do we go ahead and build products that are not only useful to people's lives, but are a great experience, right? Where we have to be aware that Facebook's now part of their life. And that's a big responsibility. Um, and so that, that was a great experience being able to, one, you know, troubleshoot that and, and get a chance to like, you know, make a better product. Gotcha. That's dope. So, that, so you took away from that empathy, right? And at this point, because we've, we've kind of talked about, you founded this, um, you know, community program for high schoolers. You had um, interest in venture capital. Going back to your time at Columbia, what was your initial major? Like, what were you trying to get into first? So initially, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew I, okay. I wanted to, um, I just knew I, I needed to get a good foundation, okay. right? And in my high school, uh, I went to a high school where there was, it was all about humanities. So we had kind of like, uh, similar to what Columbia has, like this core curriculum, where we learned a lot of different things. We learned math, science, it was all equal, it was all balanced. Mm -hmm. But then as I was starting to... Uh, get from these experiences and from my classes, again, with the idea of like, how do I build and take to market great products? I knew I needed to understand two things. One, how to be somewhat technical. And so the idea of learning math and statistics and game theory was helpful in that mm -hmm. mindset of that, that technical framework. And the other was storytelling, right? The same thing we're doing. Yeah. And how do you go ahead? Like, if you can create the best product out there, but if no one uses it, what's the point? Mm -hmm. And so history, like learning about these great leaders, learning about how they rally people around them, learning how to write, gave me the skills to be able to understand how do I tell a great story? Right. So hopefully I don't come across as uh, blabbing too much and, and <laughs> kind of see that education paying off. No, that's good. That's what, that's what I brought you on for. Okay, cool. I just wanted to understand because I think uh, one thing a lot of people are set into, especially in college, is they feel like they have to choose one major and stick to that. And I think from what you're starting to tell us is that during your time in college, you wanted to experience multiple different things, right? And for me, looking back on my own college experience, you know, I got my first internship the, my sophomore summer, and I was so scared of applying to other things because I, I felt like I had something, I didn't want to lose it. And I didn't, and I was scared that I might not get something else, but it feels like you were confident. Like I can do anything. Let me go pursue it. Right. So after Facebook, what was your thinking? Like once you got that experience? Yeah. So I will say, you know, I've gotten a chance to mentor a lot of people and I will say that is a common fear. But one thing I will say is that when you look at it, Hopefully we have another, when you're in college, another 60, 70 years to live, to experience, to grow, to fail. And so experiment, right? Mm -hmm. You look at technology, you look at innovation, think of yourself as a company, go ahead and experience and try a lot of different things because the only way you're really going to be successful is if you're 10x better than something, someone else. And the only way you're going to be 10x better than someone else is if you're really passionate you're willing to go the extra mile, put in those hours to like learn and be an expert at something, right? Like I think Malcolm Gladwell says it takes 10,000 hours to be an expert. And so when you're in college and we, even now, right, you know, technically your whole life, you can go ahead and make those riskier choices, 
because even if it doesn't work out, if you're just one step closer to figuring out, okay, at least I know, you know, Russian literature wasn't for me or <laughs> learning French is, yeah. is, is, is not my forte, but maybe, you know, coding is, right? Maybe learning how to do Java and build apps using Python. That's my thing, you know? Um, and so that's what I would encourage people to just experiment as much. And I know we get caught up in the moment of like, oh, all my friends are doing this and yeah. promo, but as long as we, you know, I think the most powerful thing we can do is really discover the power within us. Yeah, and the true. only way we're going to do that is through trying different things. That's some good advice. And I definitely wish I uh, took that a bit more early on, but it's something I'm starting to learn and trying to work on. And uh, going back to the timeline, so I assume now we're getting to, I think we're at probably 2017, 2016. Uh, we're at the Google Summer. Yeah, so after, after that, you know, getting a chance to work on the Facebook Live, uh, I had a chance to go back and continue working on that. But again, I was in this mindset of, I can experience as many things as possible, right? Like, I don't want to be pigeonholed to one company. Mm-hmm. And luckily, I had a lot of offers, so I had the flexibility to choose different things. And so I said, for the next summer, let me go ahead and let me go ahead and experience what it's like to work at Google, right? Mm-hmm. Google is a much more mature company. It was, I think, five times the size of Facebook at the time. So I was like, oh, a whole different scale. And that role was more strategy and you know, more of that storytelling. And so went to work at Google and my project was to go ahead. And what I got a chance to work on was like the integration of two multi-billion dollar platforms. And so our goal was to go ahead and launch and convince customers who are spending 30 million, $500 million with Google, mm-hmm. why they should move to this new platform. And uh, it was all about, you know, leveraging analytics, uh, big data, uh, to go ahead and find insights uh, from how people are engaging with your ads. And so I got a chance to work with uh, consulting firms. And so here I was, uh, again, getting a chance to sit at the big boys table. Mm-hmm. And I remember I had a meeting with somebody from McKinsey. He was a senior vice president. He was the chief marketing officer for Beats. And mm-hmm. he was trying to, he was he was working with me. And yeah. so I was like, I was like, damn, like, <laughs> And so that so that's the beauty of these companies is that you get to go ahead and experience and work with people who are out of your league, but then you figure out nobody's out of your league because once you produce the goods, you know, they're on your level. Exactly. Yeah, validation. And uh, I had a question here. Oh, by the way, so if you guys have other questions, uh, submit it via the question box so that I can just bring it up whenever. Uh, but Julia says, how did you find comfort in not having a set path? Yeah. So one of the big things, you know, I'm a planner. I love planning. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure like uh, my friends, when they're watching this in replay, they're going to be laughing at this. I plan to the nth degree. But one of the big things I learned from, you know, working in tech is that you can have the greatest plan in the world. But life, the beauty of life is that there's so many surprises. And so that can throw that. So what I would say is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's <laughs> there you go. Uh, what I would say is, you know, have kind of like that roadmap. Where do you envision yourself being a year from now, three years from now, five years from now, whatever that is, you know, reach for the moon and then try to figure out how do I get there, right? How do I become, you know, let's say a product manager or, or a consultant at McKinsey or working at an investment bank or work at Shell, Dang. Whatever it is, right, that it is that you can start again leveraging these tools to figure out, you know, the people that work there, how did they get there? What what backgrounds did they have? And once you kind of have kind of like this this roadmap, then you can be flexible with it because then you can start trying it out. All right. So I'm seeing like a lot of the people that did this, you know, had a marketing degree or, you know, um, did a lot of community service projects. So let me see if that's something that speaks to me. Mm-hmm. And as you start doing this, you're going to figure out, do I love it? Great. If you love it, you're on track. If you don't, okay. You're one step closer again to finding what it is that's your your true meaning. And so the way I find comfort in all of this is, let me try to have a blueprint. Let me be flexible. And then just reminding myself, God bless. I have 60 more years to live. I have my whole life to make so many mistakes. And Mm -hmm. 
you know, I'm highlighting a lot of the good things, but there were many nights, you know, my friends, uh, my family can attest where I was like doubting myself doing this. But, you know, as we live through these, I wouldn't call them failures, but learning moments, we're going to start getting more confident. Mm-hmm. And I would encourage you as you encounter these to, you know, every six months or after every experience, just write a note to yourself. What did I learn from this experience? You know, what, what, how does this change, you know, my plan going forward? Mm. And by getting into this like retrospective mindset, you're going to start figuring out, okay, what speaks to me? What works for me? And you're going to start developing what's your blueprint for success. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. And that was a pretty relatable answer. I think I like what you said, how like you have to figure out, you have to have that that rough roadmap, but understand that life is going to push you left and right, right? But I think if you keep coming back to whatever that why is, what that main goal is, it kind of helps you to stay on somewhat, maybe it may not be a straight path, but you're still somewhere like, you know where you're trying to get to and you just have to, uh, you know, rough the weather. So uh, I think there's another question that came in going back to, okay, yeah, from Jay. She says, do you think you will continue to stay in tech or will you try your hands at being an entrepreneur again? Yeah, so that's a good question. So for me personally, um, the way I see it is, again, it's this, how do I go back to this mantra of leaving my community no less but greater than I found it? And how do I use the experiences that I did? So for me, the way I envision it is, I want to be an investor, right? I want to empower uh, other entrepreneurs, other communities to go ahead and build solutions at scale. And the reason why I think I'm most suitable to that is because I get easily distracted. You're such a good interviewer that I'm not distracted here, but I get so easily distracted. I try. Um, <laughs> that I want my hands in a little bit of everything, right? So I want my hands in blockchain. I want my hands in e-commerce. I want my hands in SaaS. And by being an investor, I have to be knowledgeable about the technology and help the founders, but I don't have to be all in on this. When you start a company, it's just so hard and the chances of failing are so great. You will really have to be passionate about something like that. And so again, so for me, just my characteristics, uh, it lends me to be an investor, but also again, that mindset of how do I go ahead and take the knowledge I have um, and hopefully the wealth I build over time to go ahead and, and scale that. And the best way to do that, I feel like, is uh, investing in different companies. Got you, little jack of all trades. There you go. Another question come in during that. And uh, from Steve, he says, what's the first step to improving your network? So I think the first step is always, what do you want to get out of it? Right? Are you looking to just, you know, broaden your horizons, like meet people from different industries? Are you looking to... Find someone who's going to help you get into the path of being a you know software engineer or an entrepreneur. You need to figure out your why, right? Because without some direction, you're going to get lost. I guarantee it. Uh, but the beauty of it is, even if you don't know your why, um, just by reaching out, you're going to figure you're going to figure out wh- what it is that you're trying to do. But if you can spend a little bit of time figuring out what is it that you're trying to do, you're going to save yourself a lot of time and effort. So once you figure out your why. I would always say, start reaching out, um, whether it's through LinkedIn, whether it's through people in your company, in your community, whoever it is that, whatever you're aspiring to, mm-hmm. and just, you know, reach out. So often we get caught up in, you know, they'll never respond. Uh, you know, I'm not important enough. I'm not on their level. Or like, you know, what's the point? I'm, I already heard all of this. Mm-hmm. but. By doing by doing this, you're gonna validate whether you're right or wrong. And I'm gonna share a little story here. So again, I, I mentioned how, like, you know, you know, for my community, there's not many people that went to uh, even college, right? So the way I went to college was, I said, okay, I have no money, my family has no money. How do I get to a good school? Mm. And so my why was, how do I get into a great college? And so what I and how do I pay for it? And so what I did was I started reaching out, researching all of these scholarships, right? Like Questbridge, Gates, 
uh, Ron Brown, all of these scholarships, and I they have they love to highlight right because it brings more donations, right? They love to highlight their scholars, and what I did was I reached out to all of their scholars and I said, "How did you get there?" Mm. You know, and then once I got that connection, I said, "Can you help me?" Whether it's like reviewing a resume, whether it's uh, helping me with my college essay, and I reached out to maybe, you know, over 500 college students. I think maybe only 25 responded. 10 gave me a phone call. Three changed my life. Wow. But that mindset got me into like, always start asking for help. And you're going to hear a lot of no's, but that's okay. The first thing you got to do after you figure out your why is just start acting. Right. Take that first step. Cool. And I want to kind of keep it moving because I, I want to get into the um, your AI experience because I think that's what's kind of very interesting right now. Um, <laughs> so after Facebook, Google, it seemed like you got a lot of tech experience. Why was AI the next move for you? Yeah, so that's that's a good question. Uh, and, you know, you're making me sweat here with, with, all, these, with all these tough <laughs> questions. Uh, <laughs> um, so why AI? Again, getting into this mindset. So I, I started figuring out, okay, I want to go ahead and invest. Uh, to, in order to go ahead and invest, I need to learn how to build and take to the market good products. Once I figured that out, I was like, okay, what's the technology that I think is going to go ahead and change the future? 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now. And I just started reaching, researching. I started reading. And I figured out that out of all the technologies out there, I think AI is going to transform fundamentally not only how businesses go ahead and, you know, create products for us, but how we interact with life every day. And there's like a bunch of scary statistics like, you know, by 2030, 40% of jobs will be automated and all of these things. But there's no question that AI is going to transform. And the reason I really figured that out was with at Google, right? Google is all about AI. And Google has so many touch points. The reason why YouTube can recommend you that next show you want to watch, right, or video or that perfect ad is because it has so much information about you. And so right now we're in this information age. We're in this age of data where there's just so much data being produced that it presents the perfect opportunity for AI technology to leverage that data and be able to scale. Like, think of it as when we were, you know, in elementary school, we were doing all these calculations. Imagine if we had to do a million calculations. How long would that take us? With a calculator, right? We do all of that. So now apply that to now everything in life. Ordering something, uh, you know, getting your news. And when I got to that aha moment, I was like, whatever that is, I need I need to get into that and I need to learn about that. Gotcha. Cool. And I like that because I think relevant to your previous experience with venture capital, AI is a very new age. Like we hear about it. Most might not really know what it means. How has that community been? Because that's currently your full-time job at IBM. How has that been navigating the um, AI space in terms of your coworkers and the people that's currently leading that? Yeah, so what I will say, so I'm a, I'm a product manager at IBM Watson. And what that means uh, is that I get to work with designers and engineers to build the products, right? I set mm-hmm. the direction. And I then get a chance to work with uh, sales and marketing to then go ahead and take that to products. So they refer this as like the job of like a mini CEO because you're in charge of a product. And so the beauty of that is that I get to just interact with so many people. Um, You know, what my friends will say is that I'm always in meetings, like every day. If you look at my calendar, like pretty much nine to five, I'm in meetings. And then after five is where I have to get my hands dirty. Um, But by meeting so many different people, um, I really start to understand and, and meeting with clients, I really start to understand, you know, what are the challenges out there, right? Uh, what are companies, what are consumers really trying to do right now? That's mm-hmm. one. Two, uh, because I have to now use like the innovation we build, I have to now understand what's the 
technology that we are experimenting with, right? And within our research, a lot of the times, it's I, I think of researchers as kind of like the creative field, like the artists within technology. Mm-hmm. They don't care so much as uh, about, you know, do we build the next Facebook? They care about like, do we build something cool and useful? Mm-hmm. And so it's about how do we go ahead and connect the dots? And so I think it's been a really great experience getting a ta- getting a chance to interact with so many people and just try to connect the dots around how can we build things that are useful uh, for companies, for consumers, for our communities. Gotcha. And uh, so you already mentioned earlier that one of your main things is you want to invest and build up your community. How do you feel AI can help you with that? Because I think what people tend to hear is like they hear AI and it sounds like, oh, computer is going to take our jobs, right? So how do you feel that AI can benefit, um, you know, your community? Yeah, that's a great question. So the way I define AI is it's, it's all about scaling expertise, right? We're at this moment right now where it's about you have the knowledge. Now, how can I scale that by 10x? But a machine's not going to know how to, for example, do a podcast the way you do. A machine's not going to know how to, um, you know, shoot a basketball the way I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a machine is all about, you know, scaling that training. So you got to train it. And so what's going to happen is AI is going to put on center stage the power of education. And right now, you know, the United States is the wealthiest country out there. And yeah, when you look at the literacy rates, our education in math, science, we're like number 30, 50, 60, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And AI is going to force us to go ahead and start educating our society and our communities better, right? Mm-hmm. So that we can learn how we can apply that expertise. That's one. The second thing that's going to happen is a lot of the jobs that are manual, that are um just time consuming, like for example, driving a car or even flipping burgers are going to be automated. And so now a lot of the times what I get is like, people are scared. Well, you know, my mom or my dad's going to lose that job. Shouldn't we be worried? Mm -hmm. But I think it also forces us. And this is where we kind of get into like the philosophy (laughs) of life. We derive so much meaning from our jobs, right? Like think about how we introduce ourselves. What do we say? You know, I'm Angel, I'm a product manager, I'm Paul, I'm a software engineer, right? Yeah. By automating a lot of these things, we're going to have time to enjoy life. <laughs> Not everything has to be about work. And so we're going to get closer to, you know, that four-hour work week that we all strive for. Um, <laughs> we're going to be working on, like, really challenging stuff, right? Like, no one wants to be, like, doing the mundane things or flipping burgers. We can think about something more greater, like, how do we go ahead and end world hunger, And so when I think about it, AI is just going to replace the things we don't want to do. And it's Mm going to allow us to then enjoy life more and focus on the bigger problems. Can't wait, man. Hopefully uh, we'll see you on the front leading that that charge. And I was starting to get towards the end. And what I always like to do to kind of summarize and whatever point you want to get across, I want to know based on your experience so far, and obviously you still have a lot of life to live, you know, God willing. How, what is some words of advice that you feel that that's helped you lead your day-to-day? Like, what would you want to say to anybody listening? I would say the biggest thing, you know, and I referenced this earlier, is you're going to be the most dangerous, the most powerful once you discover how powerful, how amazing you are. We all have imposter syndrome. We, a lot of us, I'm sure, who are listening to um, this live are, Unsure, right? We're, 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 we're navigating uncharted waters. And so once we discover that, you know, we can do all of this, you know, the world's going to watch out. And what, and in order to recognize this true power within us, we got to realize we got to do what other people are not doing. If we do what everyone else is doing, we're going to have that same job. We're going to be in that same apartment. We're going to be doing those same things. If you want to be special, if you want to be great, if you want to be a mogul, you got to start doing something different. And how do you discover what that different is? It's going to, it's going to take time because, again, you're navigating uncharted waters. But by experimenting, 
by, you know, having some set of blueprint, but being flexible, you're going to get there. So again, in some, one, you got to discover the power within you. Mm. Two, the way you do that is by being different, you know, think different. Mm. And once you start thinking differently, you got to start acting, right? So you got to learn what works and what doesn't work so that you can refine that blueprint for success for yourself. Got you. That was dope, man. I like that. I like that summary. And, uh, you know, I want to wrap it up so then I'm, I'm going to wrap it up with the rest of the gang. But I also want to give everybody a reminder of uh, the raffle prize that you'll be giving away. Uh, do you kind of want to give a, a quick description and why you're giving that away? Yeah, so uh, I'm giving the book uh, from from Jack Welch. And again, for me, again, one of these, um, as you can see, I'm very big on reading. I'm very big on education because I think it's the most powerful tool uh, to change the world. And I came across this book by Jack Welch. Uh, Jack Welch, I'm sure many of us don't know who he is because I didn't earlier this year. He was the CEO of General Electric for over 21 years. Um, and he was voted uh, and considered by many the greatest CEO in the 20th century. Uh, he was able to drive a lot of innovation through there. He just has a lot of nuggets of wisdom. He didn't. He came from humble beginnings, uh, like many of us, and he was able to go ahead and uh, apply kind of like this this blueprint and kind of share his experiences. And I think a lot of the nuggets from there are going to help us think. You know, you know that works for me. Uh, and you know, from this, you know, he developed his like own MBA. So like. If you're interested in getting an MBA or or, or, or want just like a quick uh, MBA uh, tour, like this this book is amazing. So I, I you know I want to share that with 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 everyone. Got you, and I appreciate you doing that once again. I think uh, the raffle aspect of the show is one of my favorite parts. It just really just blessing people with some uh, little nuggets of information. Uh, but yeah, I want to wrap it up, Angel. Thank you once again for taking the time to spend it with me. And I'm glad that we were able to reconnect. We're definitely going to um, keep talking and make sure that we know what, you, what each other is doing. And uh, I think that's really all I have to do. So I'm going I'm to let you go. I'm going to wrap it up. And uh, I want to appreciate you once again, man. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Paul. It was great doing this. And like I said, uh, I'm glad I got in early. You know, that 10th episode. because <laughs> I'm telling you, this is going to become big. I expect to, to get that VIP and get invited to episode number 100. <laughs> I got you, bro. I got you, man. Uh, thank you, bro. All right, man. Thanks. Bye. All right. If you enjoyed this creative conversation, I would appreciate if you did at least one of the following three things. One, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And feel free to leave me a rating and a review, too, if you have the time. Two, follow at Paul and Pals on your social media of choice, but ideally Instagram so you can tune in live every other Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern to participate in the conversation and potentially win a raffle prize. Three, share the word. People tend to take the referral of a friend or family member seriously, so if you know of a friend or a family member that would also enjoy these creative conversations, send them a link to an episode. Lastly, if you're interested in coming on the show to share your story, please feel free to reach out to me via social media or send me an email at paul, that's P-O-L, at paulandpals.live. And who knows, you might just be the next pal that I interview. But without any further ado, remember to stay creative. Stay creative. Stay creative.